Hey everybody, welcome to the USL show brought to you by uh, Roughneck Scarves, your home for MLS, USL, national team, uh, or even scarves for personal use or, uh, or club use or fundraisers. Check those guys out, roughneckscarves.com. We are also produced and brought to you by the lovely, uh, beautiful game network of podcasts with um, way too many podcasts, including our friends at uh, Speedway. And also a, a special shout out to Back Chat Show because it is in fact Mark Kerner's number th- birthday. Um, partly because I don't want to give away how old he is and partly because I don't know how old he is. So there you go. Um, check everyone out. Uh, BGN.FM on the interwebs and at the BGN.FM on the Twitters. I am your host, um, occasional apologetic yingling drinker, Evan Valella. Um, and joining me as always are some of my soccer friends. First, it is um, our version of Chuck Palahniuk and Elliot Smith all rolled into one convenient large package. It is uh, Big Kev, Kevin McCamish. What's up? How's it going, man? Good. How are you? I'm, I'm all right. I'm living. Another day. Happy to have it. Uh, also joining us, it is the man that puts the show in show notes. Uh, it's, it's Ryan Allen. Evening. It's pouring down rain here in Wilmington. That's nice. I guess it beats the humidity, though, so that's that's good. It's still there. Okay, fair enough. Well, I tried. Um, <laughs> also, it, it's uh, it's our Rainbow Dash. Um, if you think he hates your team, it's probably because he does, and he has, uh, he has facts to back it up. Everyone's favorite Californian... Uh, sometimes we call him Danny California. It's Pony. I can hear all the angry comments about this episode being typed right now. <laughs> it's good, right? Did it put you to sleep last night? Ugh, it was. Oh. It was a night. Good. That's good. And uh, and returning triumphant to the podcast, he is the waviest man in the St. Louis metropolitan area. He has survived going into and coming out of Russia, so it's got to mean something. Hmm. Uh, it's Phil Grimms unapologetic bush drinker here that's fine <laughs> that's fine if only phil how are you how was russia i don't think a lot of people know but you actually um a went to russia uh and b saw a a, a world cup semi-final game there i did it was really amazing honestly a dream it was a dream come true i looked over at my brother-in-law sitting next to me during the game like five times just like i can't believe we're here can't believe we're here it was a lot of fun so and now the crushing weight of being back in America is is on you. I'm not I'm not kidding when I think we were in the St. Louis airport for like 15 minutes and I was like it sucks to be back in the United States. Mm. It's just a different different real world responsibilities and stuff, man. Yeah, I think part of it is cuz we're used to the United States and so we can pick out all the bad things immediately as soon as we come home. We just don't know all the intricacies of how bad Europe is in different ways, you know what I mean? Fair enough. Fair enough. That's what I've been going with lately. Cool. Cool. Uh, um, we're going to get into the news. And I'm going to preface this by saying in about mm, guys, how long are we going to go? How long do we have? <laughs> yeah, we have some time. Let's do about five minutes. And I'll just say this. If FC Cincinnati fans want to just skip this opening part of our podcast where we talk about Emery Welshman being suspended, go for it. Because we're not going to be terribly nice. So there you go. Um, And, and, you know, obviously I welcome all and any discord that that people might have with us on the Twitters at the USL show. 
Um, and even personally on all of our accounts, we've never really, you know, shied away from any kind of discussion about, about soccer or teams or why we feel the way that we do. So by all means, if you're, if you're mad, as long as you're civil, feel free to let us know, um, you know, why we are wrong or, or why you think we're not looking at this properly or what kind of perspective we're missing because, well, none of us are in Cincinnati, so we might very well be missing it. That being said, um, Emery Welshman got suspended for three games after a review from the disciplinary committee uh, for a foul during Cincy's win over Charlotte Wednesday night. And um, collectively, everybody in Cincinnati lost their damn minds. Which is, uh, which was interesting. Um, a couple things, just to 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 get it out there. I saw a bunch of people saying that, oh, you know, I'm glad we're leaving the USL, or this is why we're leaving the USL, and I need that to stop yesterday. Um, because you can't just forget where you came from. And you wouldn't have had a platform to get where you are without the league that you're currently in. Also, there's still half a season left. So sorry, you can't just skip to March of next year. But um, you got to ride this one out. And honestly, that attitude isn't going to win you any favors in terms of other fan bases or casual fans. And I honestly don't think that the guys that are currently playing for your team in USL this year that might not be next year are going to appreciate you kind of turning your backs on them now. That's a good one. I hadn't even thought of that. So there's still a bunch of guys on that team that might not magically join Cincinnati when they make MLS for a variety of reasons, be it age or money they're, they're making currently or, you know, other MLS teams coming in, giving them better offers, et cetera, et cetera. Support your team regardless of what league they're in because, well, you know, some people don't have theirs anymore. Anyway, um, I don't, whoever wants to talk, go for it. Can we talk about the the three games? Let's start with that. Yeah, let's do the that's, foul thing first, I suppose. That's that's what people are most upset about, yes. and I think that's the big debate on top of that. Yeah. So let's do that. I'm going to go ahead and say that I don't I don't know if three was necessarily called for. I don't know if I'm going to go against it, but I think two would have been well warranted. One would have been not enough. Hmm. Yeah, I think that, three was necessary. I think three was overkill by the one point that Cincinnati fans have is there's the inconsistency when I deal with one, two, or three games. And yeah. in, in the moment when I saw that one, I actually tweeted, well, that's probably going to be a review and he's going to be lucky not to get a suspension. And lo and behold, three game suspension. I think it might be more than it should have been because it's the whole violent conduct versus serious foul or whatever you want to call it. But mm -hmm. I don't see any way he doesn't get a suspension for that. It's just a matter of how much. Yeah. I mean, it, sorry. Uh, and you just can't excuse someone elbowing a player to the face, regardless of intent or not. I saw a lot of people mentioning the Jack McInerney foul earlier on a Cincinnati player that got him only one game. And I think I, there was a lot of debate on the, what the intent was with Jack Maxwell. It was more on of um, basically he was just trying doing a very hard foul on there whereas there was actually intent here of elbowing a, a charlotte player to the face and that's obviously will get you a suspension it was just more debated on how much did it warrant yeah and do do we think that did it hit his head i feel like it did i'm, I'm kind of blanking on exactly what happened but i thought maybe the head had something to do with that 
I yeah, it was it was high, uh, like head head neck kind of region that sort of seems to be put together a bunch. Um, I was talking to another one of our soccer friends. I was I actually reached out to a couple of people and asked them how they felt about it, and it, the kind of general consensus I got was that three was kind of at the at the high end of within reason like if it was four games you'd be like no nah, that's that's really crazy and three you're kind of like all right that's a little harsh but you can see how it'd be three games i mean i understand where they're coming from like yeah you know if usl set the precedent like say we had like uh, you know and, and like you said we had one with jack McInerney, but say say we had like three or four more incidents like this where guys just kind of throw the elbow back and and that's it and they all get three games well then there's no problem um, but I think, like you said, it's the inconsistency that that's the issue, and that's not a USL thing. That's a pro thing. Well, here's so I haven't seen what happened. Now he threw the elbow. I get that it may have been in the face, head, neck area. But did it occur during the play, or was it like the play had been whistled dead, and then Welshman just got, you know, lost his cool a little bit and threw the elbow back? I believe it was uh, during the play, and then after the elbow, it, the play was ruled dead. Okay, so I mean, there's there's different aspects to like the the entire thing, and you can re you can just dig into it and get into too many details, and I'm probably already getting too detailed here. Um, in general, I don't personally don't believe that where the elbow hits should have any effect on the amount of discipline provided or brought down upon said player because it's it's violent conduct regardless um but i can understand from a pro perspective not that's the right perspective but i can understand where they're coming from if the elbow was thrown into the head how that is you know more violent than if he had done it into the chest or his kidneys or into his crotch or you know something whatever and if it was done, obviously, after the play was dead, like the player's down on the ground or something, he's just like through a punch or through elbow, then then that's obviously more serious if it happens in the moment as the, the play is kind of occurring, you know, where you can go, I just got hot, I was kind of swinging my arms around, maybe, maybe they're falling down, and he's just trying to like balance himself and hit some of the face. There's all kinds of different aspects to it. It definitely sounds like it was intentional um, and whether it was done in the heat of the moment or he had thought about it, it, you know, done doing it intentional into the face, head, neck area um, is easily worth an extra game upon a straight red. So two games total. Um, three is not unreasonable, I don't think. But like some other people have said, it's definitely I would not go more than three. Mm. Um, that that's the high end. Four or five, you're just like, why? Like that's you get in that four or five, you start getting in like, what else did he do? Spit, you know, call a bad name, you know, language, mm. other stuff. Like the physical violence during the play, I think three games is the most you want to give. It's but it's not unreasonable. I, I have another thought too. Uh, first of all, Kev, I totally agree with you. I think that's a good line of thinking there. But um, I was talking um, just recently about a Christian Valeski problem that was he got a high kick red card because his cleats were up in someone's face 
And it happened to be last season when our new center back now, his name is Sean Reynolds, who played for Louisville at the time, was the person who, you know, was getting the cleat, supposed cleat to the face. And when I interviewed him earlier this year, he was like, yeah, he, did, he actually didn't touch me. I'm, I'm a good actor, <laughs> which cracked me up. It was all a very situation. Um, but he got a red card. He threw a fit. And there was VAR there and all this business. And, and it went through as a red and, and blah, 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 blah. But after we talked about it, we all debated for, for days and days. It was a similar situation without the uh, overabundant freak out. And um, eventually we kind of came to this realization that, Christian, why the hell was your foot up there in the first place? You know what I mean? Like, if, mm -hmm. even if you didn't touch him, the potential there is bad enough that maybe that deserves a red in itself. And I think my point here is that Welshman, Cincy fans, maybe you're really upset about this. Maybe it was too harsh a punishment, but maybe also you should be mad at Welshman for who I, you know, this was to him, it was retaliation for how much physicality, overabundant physicality perhaps throughout the game. Mm -hmm. I'd, I'd seen a lot of that on Twitter as well. And that was him mm -hmm. losing his cool. Well, no matter how much you're getting hurt or thrown around in a game, how much you're not getting calls, no matter how the game is being played, whether you're winning or losing, part of your job, especially as a striker, is to maintain your cool, to always be ready for that goal no matter what happens and to not do something that puts your team in jeopardy. And throwing that elbow, no matter what anger level you're at, puts your team in jeopardy. And really, Cincy fans, you should be yelling at Welshman for this because he should not have even put his team in that situation to get a red or especially a freaking three game suspension. You know, they, they could go without that right now. I think the elbow is a little harder to control in that situation than the foot though. Oh, a hundred percent. Like yeah. the foot, you really have to, that was especially dumb. Like yes. the elbow, you can, you know, like you're in your natural range of motion to a point when your elbow is, you know, at head level of somebody else, especially if he's, you know, crouched or in a different position or anything like that a foot you really have to think about like you kind of have to like know what you're doing as you're doing it you know going all right my foot's gonna be where this guy's head is so i you know uh, yeah I, not the best reaction to to you know coming up against a physical team that that gets under your skin and throwing an elbow back but i mean a part of why teams play physical sometimes and all not that I think it was anything dirty, but why teams can be accused of playing dirty sometimes is that it does frustrate the other team. And sometimes it's that retaliation that gets punished and not the initial offense. So, um, you know, for all those reasons, I understand why Cincy fans are mad and everything like that. But the whole, you know, oh, this is why we're leaving USL bullshit is bullshit. Um, and I don't like to, you know, curse on this podcast as much as I do in real life. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things where, I've seen that like communal aspect of, of this league in Cincinnati. And I think they're losing it, which is upsetting to me. Um, and I think they're misplacing some of their frustrations right now on something that helped make them what they are, because we all know that they weren't going to get this kind of exposure and this kind of buzz. If they were in NISL three years ago, don't bite the hand that feeds you. Kev, you have a wonderful point about that. Well, I I know because you know, imagine if you will, you you run a company and you're growing, you hire, you know, the most qualified 
let's call them account managers you possibly can. Some of them have experience. Some of them have history in the business, if you will. Others, fresh off the street. No history whatsoever. So you hire a new guy. You show him the ropes. He's very popular with the customers in his region that he manages. But, you know, they're not the best at their job because <laughs> they've only been nominated for employee of the year twice and never made it past the first round of screening either time. So, you know, it's not like they're an outstanding employee. But still, they're very popular. You, you show them the ropes. They get more popular. You're helping them kind of develop their career path, if you will. And and then, you know, like some of your other employees, they get hired by the bigger company down the street. Um, you know, one you've got a fantastic working relationship with, but that, you know, that company still comes in and occasionally hires one or two of your best workers. So, you know, as soon as the decent but not great, not winning any employee of the year awards anytime soon, employee gets hired, which in and of itself was a little bit of a will he, won't he situation for some time. The, they immediately start feeling like you are out to get them and there's months left where they kind of have to work for you and the customers that like this employer just telling everyone who will listen how the entire your entire business is going to go under without them uh, there's what pieces of crap you are how you're all that stuff you're out to get them and it's like all the work you put in to foster and develop said employee knowing full well that where they're going to hopefully where they're going to end up um, supporting them it, it, they just it's, they're literally just turning to you and flipping you off and saying you know you're worthless but that's that's awful you know there you go <laughs> i don't want to keep talking about this <laughs> i i think i think i will say that that since he you know part of being the biggest club in usl i think that's fair to say um part of that is you get picked on the most and it's yep. just been this perfect storm this perfect fire of 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 people going at each other and it almost like seemed to be ending where we they were going to get picked on enough where someone was going to say that <laughs> yeah and i yeah, think yeah. and so it just the inevitable kind of came and it, it kind of happened a little more than i would have liked because it, it's not exactly let's say classy, but uh, again, they were pushed and pushed and poked and poked and poked. And, and this was, this was bound to happen. And um, I think, uh, are we going to talk? I'll just go with this. I'll go with this right here because this is the backhanded compliment that I was going to give Cincy on another topic, but it, it, it works for this as well. And part of what you, when you get big, when you get huge, you get a large, large fan base. And that large fan base can't be as educated as our smaller fan bases, right? I go to a St. Louis game. There's 4,000 people there. Probably a good like 30% or more of them are pretty educated about the team. They're not going to go on Twitter and say something absolutely outrageous or go say vote on Twitter for something else <laughs> completely <laughs> outrageous. Um, however, they have a huge fan base. I mean... 20,000 people cannot be that educated about FC Cincinnati. And so I think my backhanded compliment is this, is we should all be so lucky to have such a large fan base that they will go just randomly vote for the team where they buy in as much as they can and randomly say things and do things um, because they love their team, but they don't actually know the ins and outs of every aspect of USL soccer. We should all be so lucky to have that. And that's totally backhanded. But when you make it big, 
that's kind of one of those things where you know you made it big when that happens. So I will I will give them the uh, the non backhanded version of that, and then we'll we'll move on here, um, just because there's a there's a lovely podcast dedicated to talking about the Cincinnati, um, and we'll let them do their job. Um, yes, we are all jealous that our teams do not have that fan base. Hundred percent. There you go. So before anyone goes, yeah, you wish you were us. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> we do. <laughs> we do. <laughs> caught us um i don't want to talk about the open cup really let's talk about louisville city's vp um yeah louisville city uh vp on a local station out that way said that usl is going to make each team have an academy which is awesome hell yes it is so yeah i don't know does anyone have the only thing i guess is that uh, no, I. Uh, the only downside that I can see to this is there's going to be teams that are a lot farther along in that process than others, but it's not like you're all drawing from the same area. So I guess it, it buffs out. I don't know. Well, here's the other thing, too. You, you've already, even in MLS, there's many teams that are much further along that path than yes. others. Yep. Which maybe we'll get into a little bit later anyway. But, Intent, yeah. You know, so... It's. I don't think it's gonna be any different in USL other than there might be closer to each other from where maybe some of the teams start as opposed to an MLS where there have been some teams that have developed an academy for a decade, right? Maybe maybe longer, and other teams that are just three or four years out of the gate and still struggling to develop players. Well, and I think the the here's areas that we are allowed to develop players will make more sense because right now RSL can develop like all of Utah and all of Arizona and like half of Colorado or something ridiculous. So I think in USL, the, Oh, here's where this team draws their players from is going to be a lot more comprehensive because they waited this long to enact all that. Or, or maybe USL just says develop your player, just pull your players wherever you want to. I don't know. Yeah, build build be the best academy and see if they come. Well, yeah, and and this is to me, this is something that's going to do nothing but help the United States maybe more than MLS and USL itself. It's going to help the United States soccer because um, you're seeing more than ever, especially this year, we're seeing so many kids who have played in the U17 and U20 system or even just the the development academy systems um, getting early minutes in USL, like at the age of what? There's a 16-year-old playing for San Antonio right now who hasn't even gotten into uh, the under the United States uh, Academy or youth teams. Um, so, I mean, I think this is the best opportunity to encourage that to happen more and more and more and get these young kids in early playing with grown men so that they do better on the world stage. That's awesome. I think people need to recognize that USL is helping the United States by doing something like this. Yeah, I, I agree with you because the, the idea, I think, if anything, it's that we will there will be more academies, more coverage across the the entire width of the United States, um, where you'll have fewer kids that are probably super talented fall through the cracks, as opposed yeah. to now where it's like unless you're in an MLS market, seventy five miles from a stadium, or you're on the West Coast where you're in one of like six states that you know someone can pull a player from, but even then they might not have any academies in that state you know it, it's there's not a whole lot of ground covered particularly in the western half of the united states where you know it's very easy for kids to fall through so 
more teams, more academies, it'll just be beneficial that there'll be more chance that we will find these players that are could very well help not just their club but the united states men's national team too so and here's the other amazing thing about this is there's no homegrown tag in the united right. in usl right? right this is the best part so like um alvarez munez um yanez who play for los dos right now none of those guys have signed mls contracts if they had, they might or already might have already gotten that homegrown tag. They haven't signed an MLS contract. They're on USL contracts, which are not binding, which you can sell off to Europe or anywhere in the in the whole world without any kind of crazy consequence. So right. Um, right. that's pretty awesome for 16, 17, 18-year-olds who don't want to get stuck in the United States. Ryan, did the Hammerheads have an academy? Yeah, they have... Um... Around, uh, I think, 2015 or 16, they chose to partner with one of the local academies. Here, in fact, the academy has now outlived the pro and PDL sides, growing as sure. one of the largest in uh, ENC. But it was something that they partnered with, and I do believe a lot of them, um, there are a few clubs. I think Penn up in uh, Harrisburg is doing another one where they are at the top of an academy and just yeah. kind of building a pipeline of players into it. But I do agree with um, the homegrown. Well, as it looks, I'm looking at a brotherly game article from 2015 that actually showed the homegrown territories from it. And some of it is just like ridiculously large. I mean, at the time it had like RSL covered Utah and Arizona. You saw Sporting Kansas City take Missouri, Kansas and Oklahoma. (laughs) Whereas if you had that in um, USL, you'd be able to split that among three teams of OKC, Tulsa and St. Louis. It just seems like it having USL teams be able to divvy up a lot of the land in the country for scouting players seems to be beneficial that we'll get less players that'll fall through the cracks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I even asked our GM at, in St. Louis about this, where I, I was like, do you worry about having to fight um, sporting Kansas city with, you know, we develop lots of great players. We just sent a kid to uh, Duke that might come back to St. Louis, hopefully, or go to Europe. And, and I was saying, are you worried Sporting Kansas City is going to try to get him? And he's like, no, I mean, we offer, you know, just as good an opportunity, if not better, if he wants to go to Europe, you know, in that situation. Yeah. So um, he's not worried about that. Another thing I thought of while we were talking about this, too, is how beneficial would this have been three years ago, two years ago, if they had made this rule in FC Cincinnati and Nashville? Yeah. He had developed academies that were two years old now. You know what I mean? Well, because they need yeah, one. exactly like they would have already had one if they were forced to, and and it really, yeah. if anyone else goes to MLS from USL, um, it's gonna be good for them. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, Pony, I because I don't know, I imagine Sac Rep has an academy. Yeah, they have academy. It's actually done pretty well for itself. I know they've even signed, I think, one or two players from the academy to the main team. Cool. It's. Going, going well, but I'm not even going to pretend to be well-versed in the academy system. No, it's all good. I just, honestly, I, I didn't know if they had. I mean, it's one of those things where I imagine a lot of these clubs have them. I know the Hounds have, um, I kind of ironically, a, a very good girls program. Um, and I know they just partnered up with C in a way for their, their boys. Um, I imagine they'll have to make their own. I don't know. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. Um, how that goes, and then of course I would love to see another women's division in the United States or a better one. Um, so, 
put a team in Pittsburgh and have those girls come back from college and tear it up or something. Um, and then the other news, and then we'll get into these other kind of points, I think, as we're talking about games this week, um, just because I want to get there in a minute. But um, nothing to report as far as what they're going to do or what the name's going to be or anything like that. But um, Austin's USL team is unveiling a couple pl- players and their name in early August, so in a couple of weeks here. Um, yeah. Two or, th- two or three, I'd imagine. That first Monday in August is the 6th, so... They just name themselves the Austin Crew too. <laughs> the Austin like steelworkers. Austin Villa. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> oh my not oh, That's a winner. Sometimes, I sometimes I, I and we've talked about this before. We'll actually, I swear to God, we'll get into the games after this. We're always like, man, Ryan has really good lines, and I feel like people don't don't pick them up enough. And I'm really glad that we all just shut the hell up and Ryan got to say Austin Villa. So yep. there you go, everybody. There's your Ryan line for the month. Feel free to um, embroider that on a pillow and send it to him. <laughs> uh, or, in fact, if anyone in Austin USL is listening, there's your name. We'll just take... Uh, personally, you can pay me with like three McChickens. Mm. Um, yeah, I know. It's a gig economy, baby. Um, <laughs> but uh, ask for Ryan about pricing on the naming rights. <laughs> anyway, uh, talking about the games this week, uh, starting off with a weird, what was it, a Wednesday afternoon game, uh, New York Red Bull 2-2, Bethlehem Steel 1. Um, Derek Etienne Jr. with a goal in the 28th, Anthony Fontana, goal right on the stroke of halftime, and then Armando, or Armando Mareno in the uh, in the 78th. Um, doesn't help separate the East at all, <laughs> but uh, Red Bull are getting hot, and um, that's bad for the rest of the Eastern Conference because they can play whoever they want and beat them, or at least get a draw if if they're playing the level they are right now. Has ATN been in at New York Red Bulls two for like three four years now? Um, a long time. So he's a first team guy now, and they loan him down, kind of thing. Because I just don't think that there's really, like, he's a right wing, but he also plays forward, and those two spots at Red Bull proper are like pretty locked up, loaded. Yeah. So he had a youth career with the club uh, from 2009 to 15. Before they signed him to New York Red Bulls two, he was then basically up at 2016. In with the senior side and has since been, I think, loaned down at, at per uh, at least what it says on his uh, page. Um, good stuff there, Ryan. Evan, can you um tell us a little more about Fontana because he's a guy I've heard his name a lot and I'd kind of like to know a little more about him. So, um, he's from Delaware. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. Um, that's a good that's a that's what you wanted to know, right? Um, no, so. You know, a really good standoff for the academy at the at the eight. Um, and actually, before that match on Tuesday, before they left, actually, Brendan Burke was talking about it a, little, a little bit. They love his footwork and his ball skills. They say he has like the softest feet they've ever seen, pretty much. Um, they're gonna try to move him up to a ten. Hmm which he doesn't have a whole lot of experience with. And the only thing they're kind of worried about is that he might be um, a little hesitant to make the bigger passes 
like he takes one extra dribble that he shouldn't have to because he they they're going to have to teach him that hey you know those guys that we're telling you to work off of up the field are going to be there and they're going to be able to take that pass and you're going to be able to do that interplay and things like that so i mean he's got guys like um you know Harris Mignon and and Ale Bedoya and um Dork uh, <laughs> nope Bork Dutchcal you know that that can show him how to play the 10 um and that can definitely mentor him and and that James Chambers guy who I forgot about there for 2 seconds sorry um who can show him how to play that advanced position and and you know let him understand that using those feet but not taking all that contact is going to be good for him um, and you know, I, I wish the union would loan these guys to other clubs in the States and or, um, Europe maybe for a year just to give them some experience. Yeah. Um, because as much as I love DJ and, and Fontana and, you know, guys like that, they're not going to break into that midfield right now. And I think they're like in that weird sweet spot where they're just a little bit too good for, for, developing in USL you know what I mean like I think they're kind of bossing around some of the 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 other guys in USL and they could use that kind of mid-level European experience to really develop them more Mm -hmm. if that makes sense it definitely makes sense and we're seeing a lot of that yeah 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 which is great because I think that means the USL is going to get better um but for right now I would love to see Fontana go out and like be able to play the number 10 every week in like a you know league one or something like that you know but obviously if you can keep a guy in house and play him you're you're gonna do it so I just remembered why I recognize his name didn't he score on his debut with the union yep yeah that was this year that was crazy that's it he did every celebration known to man perfect yeah 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 so one more MLS goal that all of us have combined. <laughs> Thanks, Font. He was also um, uh, our 16-year-old that subbed in for Marisa Du twice. Perfect. That's the other fun story. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good game for New York. I, I really, I'm worried that other teams higher up the table are going to take them for granted and they're going to stomp them. Next is that game with the uh, suspension, right? With the thing, yeah, the thing that happened. That happened. Let's talk about those goals, though. Um, Deco Kynan, seventh minute. And then uh, boy, um big country, Forrest Lasso, <laughs> scored in the 20th minute. Um, if anyone's ever stood next to him, you'll understand. Or heard him talk. He's got a bit or of Or heard him talk. Or um, No, but he's got a very like southern gentlemanly voice. He's just a beast of a man. Um, anyway. So two goals in two games for him, right? Which is crazy. I think I called him the USL John Stones. Was that you did? You did. I appreciate that. Or the USL Ken Tribbett. <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, you know, a solid two nothing win here for Cincinnati against the Charlotte team that has pretty much defined peaking and and trothing over the last month, which has to be frustrating, I, I imagine. Um, but you know, solid since he win. Oh, this is a good spot to talk about what Pony's yeah. been debating about, right? Who's more who's more uh, useful? Yeah, is Pony, you made some friends off of this one. Oh, yeah. You know, why not? I was saying Lasso's probably the Cincinnati MVP. I mean, he's directly basically got both these goals. If you didn't watch the first goal, it was Lasso getting completely free, knocking it off the crossbar, and Keenan cleared it up. Second one, Lasso again on a set piece just puts it in. I don't get how, you know, Charlotte forgot that Lasso is probably one of the best single set piece attackers in the entire league. 
and let him get completely yeah. through twice, and they basically got punished for it. Yeah, I don't think people remember that he was this way in Charleston, too. I thought mm -hmm. he was going to fall off, but here he gets two and two, plus what you just said. He might as well have gotten that other one in this game. Um, but this he's the most productive center back in the USL, and even last year I was saying, how has he not gotten some kind of an MLS contract at this point? Um, you know, Jim I was Breton at USL. There you go. <laughs> I was saying that I think he'll get that MLS contract next year. One uh, way or another, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he might default into not that he doesn't deserve it, obviously, but he might default into it. Well, how would you not take a guy that just just scores on set pieces? You know, play him With a while. The amount of teams that I that I know, especially in MLS. Like Kev, I don't know if you guys are similar, but it's like just based off of how big he is and the fact that he can move for a guy that size, like how no one's at least brought him into a training camp because I don't think anyone has is insane. Kev, what do you think? You haven't talked in a while. Do you think you would take Ledesma over Lasso in their positions? Uh, I would take Lasso without even questioning it. Gotcha. Because, I mean, for my team specifically, I really feel that we need a set piece, a set piece specialist. Mm -hmm. Um, so obviously I would take him, but I'd probably take him just in general. Look at what England did on set pieces. I mean, you right. can go really far with it. It's underestimate, underappreciated, rather. Yeah. Ryan Ledesma or Lasso? Oh, easily Lasso. The fourth or the Raleigh, North Carolina native, native was incredible for Charleston. I think at the time he was their second leading goal scorer from last season, and Charlotte saw him three times last year and should have at least looked out for him. Um, in their match against Cincinnati, but and Lasso is just, and we saw it in Charleston, like Phil mentioned, and easily one of the best defenders in USL, and it's amazing that he still hasn't gotten any time up in MLS at any point, especially at 6'5". I mean, that's someone that you at least consider bringing in. Hmm. Next match. Uh, oh, I forgot this was weird week. Not that this game was part of it, but uh, Smoke Park nil, Orange County 4. Um, Michael Seaton, Thomas Anavaldson, Giovanni Godoy, and Aiden Quinn. Um, if you forgot, he played for Orange County. There he is, right there, Aiden Quinn. Um, Smoke Park lead possession, but it doesn't matter if you uh, if you lose by that many goals, really. Yeah. Um, Aiden Quinn. We were kind of dabbling, and if we picked a best eleven USL team, who would it be? And Aiden Quinn would make no matter what iteration of my team, Aiden Quinn would be in it. If you look at his stats this year, it's just the guy is just awesome. He's perfect for your midfield. He's he's very 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 good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Plus, I always say I think he's one of the best people at taking set pieces, not scoring off them, but actually taking them. There are very few people I'd want up there with Quinn. Him yep. and Portillo, maybe. Well, I was with Kafa, but yeah, see, there we go. Oh, well, Kafa scores. I was thinking of other guys that set up other guys. Like, I feel like Portillo's good at that. Is that what you meant by that? By not chatting takes decent set pieces. Anyway. But, yeah. yeah, Orange County's good. They're good. There are. They're my favorite team in the West if I didn't already cheer for my home. Fun, fun the US also stat. Phoenix Rising are one and zero after we talked to members of their front office. Coincidence? No. <laughs> so keep them coming, baby. I want Drogba next week. Um, thanks, Sam. Talk to you soon. Uh, Phoenix one, Seattle Sounders two nil. Meaning, 
Phoenix scored one time, and the team that plays for Seattle that isn't the big one scored no times. Uh, Chris Cortez in the 56. S2 um, lose six straight matches, seven of their last eight losses there as well. Phoenix with one loss in their last eight. And uh, clean sheets and four straight for Phoenix, which is always fun. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Seattle just doesn't look like they're going to threaten anybody, which is fine. They had zero shots on target for this one. I think that just kind of sums up their play. They had a good start to the season, not like the very beginning, but like right after the beginning, they were looking good for a while, surprisingly. Their April was okay. Right. Yeah. But here we are. This is yep. what we thought. So. But speaking of honestly, speaking of teams where you just like thought they weren't going to be anything and now they are, what is this next game's Charleston Battery being the Riverhounds? Yeah, one nothing. Um, Matula Guerra kind of. I, like it was, it felt like a very old USL match in that Augie and, and Bob Lilly were like, Hey, can we pretend that it's like 2011? <laughs> um, and they did. It's a, it's a Riverhounds nil, Charleston battery one, Atula Guerra scores a goal in the 88th minute, and Charleston, uh, with an unbeaten streak of their own, uh, snapped Pittsburgh's six match unbeaten run. Um, a lot of fouls, a lot of clearances, decent amount of shots. Pittsburgh have a lot of the, uh, of the possession maybe and i you know this is one of those games where a lot of times we talk about oh they score early and then they keep the ball and they just kind of wear everybody out well they did two-thirds of that this week except for they didn't score and uh, charleston able to steal some points away from home um some big points away from home actually and uh, they leave pittsburgh with with the win I talked to uh, Jonathan from black and yellow post about this. Cause so Charleston to me is like the most confusing team this year. Cause I expected absolutely nothing from them. more confusing than Charlotte more. So yeah, because I, I think because I respect Jeffries and I think what we're finding mm. is that we should respect both Jeffries and I no, wait, you didn't respect Augie at all. Well, see, that's what's what wrong with you that I, I should shame both shame this man on twitter shame <laughs> but to my credit i asked jonathan like why is this coach doing so well how is he doing it and he says he's good at finding players that um perhaps aren't succeeding in one spot and he's mm-hmm. able to find and, and these are like average or less than average perhaps players he's able to find a spot for them where they actually thrive and help the team and and, and that equals wins eventually and so He's, he mentioned a few players that he started them somewhere and they weren't doing too well there, and then he moved them around, and, and all of a sudden production was coming from not just the team but those players. So, um, you know, that's that's one of the things that a coach can do to get wins for his team, and that's really admirable from teams like Charleston and Charlotte um, who are not necessarily big-budget teams, and they're yeah. old, you know, so yeah. – Ryan, uh, Richmond won, Atlanta won. Um, both these teams quietly had a good couple of weeks. Like I'll, I'll say a month just because I, I don't want to discredit any game in there. Um, what's been kind of Richmond's, I don't know, secret to success the last couple of games? And even Atlanta's been on the upswing, I guess. What are both of these teams doing right that they haven't done for large chunks of the season? I mean, it, in these past three matches for Atlanta, they've scored more goals, three, than they did in their prior six matches before this. And Richmond have scored in their last five. I mean, Brian Shriver in the 38th minute had a very good free kick goal. 
well, basically kind of vaulted Richmond. But I think the thing is that it's just with both of these clubs rooted in the bottom three of the Eastern Conference, a lot of us just aren't paying attention to them because they seem so inconsequential to the other teams further up the table. But they're, Richmond's at least quietly turning around on a lot of their season. Now it'll be at least more concerning if they can go ahead and further do that. I mean, they did get five shots on target from their 14 in total in the match, and then Atlanta had 32 clearances in it. But it, it's at least good to see the teams towards the bottom end of the table, at least trying in towards um, improvement for this year, especially if you want to build into next season, particularly for ATL UTD2. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kev, I, I think you'll agree that first year for MLS two sides is always just really bizarre. Yeah, well, yeah. Because like you don't really know what you, you you don't know what you're expecting out of your team, and and then you know for for teams to to not or I guess to understand that winning isn't their main goal, but they still want to win. Like it's just a very odd situation for everyone to be in. I think. Yeah, I mean, the funny thing is, when I go back and look at T2, the first year is actually one of their better seasons. Mm. Uh, 15 and 16, kind of as far as like obtaining points per game, tend to follow the same pattern. 17 obviously was a current and outlier that is way, way low. 2018 started off a whole lot better than they ever have done, but... They're four, losing, what, four, five matches out of six um, has brought them kind of crashing back down to their 15, 16 average. So, yeah. for at least with T2, it's the kind of, at this point in the season, they're roughly in the same spot as they normally would be outside of 2017. Did you guys see the uh, Reddit article that was talking about, you know, whether... Canadians, now that there's a Canadian Premier League, whether Canadians yeah, heard, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Not homegrown, but basically. international, yeah, Born. international slots. Yeah, I think T2 and the whole not being a Canadian Premier League and choosing USL D3 and this whole you know international slot thing, it's just an all it's a really interesting thing to watch and, and kind of be, get out your. Yeah. Mind. And, and yeah, it'll be happens. it'll be interesting. I mean, we saw that arise in the Open Cup when uh, Portland was protesting um, <laughs> with uh, LAFC, <laughs> talking about, uh, in fact, former Louisville City uh, midfielder Mark Anthony K in that one. So it's interesting that at least in league matches, I think with MLS, they didn't consider Canadians foreign players because you have three Canadian MLS teams, whereas in the Open Cup matches, they're considered foreign players because you have no Canadian teams competing in the Open Cup. Ah, is So that was ruled against them? Yeah. No, it was... Uh, well, what ended up happening is that the, U- the U.S. soccer was like, it, they said it was a quote-unquote good faith misunderstanding oh, that wow. the Canadian players that LAFC wanted to... One of them was Canadian, one of them was a homegrown player, but still an international without a green card. And U.S. Soccer told LAFSC that both those players were okay, so they mm-hmm. were under the limit. Um, when, in fact, by the letter of the law, they were two international players over the limit. And one of them, I don't think, played or didn't play much. The other one was actually influential in their win no big deal portland after i think had just said no we're 
we withdraw our complaint. Uh, we just wanted to make, you know, just wanted to like follow through and make sure that U.S. Soccer, you know, knew their rules and and looked into it and blah blah blah. I don't know whatever. So Merritt Merritt had a very busy week on Twitter. Everybody. <laughs> Um, Any week where he is on Twitter is a busy week. Fair. We'll talk about that in a little bit when we get to the Portland game. Um, North Carolina FC 3, Toronto FC 2, 1, meaning the Junior Reds scored once, North Carolina three times. Uh, friend of the show, Austin Deleuze, gets his goal. Hey, buddy. Um, yeah, I mean, good win for North Carolina, Toronto FC. You know, Sean Hundall's great. He's coming back for their uh, two side and USLD 3 next year, I believe. Good. I don't know. There's really not a whole lot here. I, it's it's a clinical win for North Carolina. It's a good win for North Carolina. They needed it. They need it. They, they got need. it. Yep. Open and shut case kind of thing. Um, next game, I think we'll spend a little bit more time on. Um, partly because they're friends at Speedway and and their ilk and the the Nashville fan base in general at this point seems to be a little disappointed at their lack of return on investment as far as finishing goes. <laughs> um, yes. London Woodbury gets sent off in, in, in stoppage time and Ottawa scores twice, once by Tony Taylor and another time by Kevin Oliveira. And uh, Ottawa gets a 2-0 win against Nashville, um, which is not how... A lot of people would have expected this to go. That being said, what Coach Popovich is doing in Ottawa right now is is highly admirable, and he's doing a great job. And they're flying under the radar, I think, because of where they play and you know how a lot of people felt about him at the beginning of the season. And um, so tipping the hat a little bit to the Ottawa Fury. Um, at the same time, guys, are we freaking out about Nashville not being able to score goals? Right. Ryan Pony, you guys do stats with these things. Is there scientific is there scientific evidence to this being a problem? I mean, uh, Nashville have um, actually been scoreless in four of their last five matches, having a two-no loss to Indy, a no-no draw with Cincinnati, one-nil, and two-no results against Charlotte and Ottawa, respectively. So it seems to be a much more of a recency problem because prior to that they were going through one of the longest um unbeaten runs of basically in the league at the time but it does seem like that they have trouble scoring and just from going through any of their stats and their only match that they got above two goals in league play was their pen fc result 3-1 on on uh, june 2nd Pony, could you say maybe what you've been saying about Cincy not being able to beat the elite teams? It sounds like those were three semi-elite teams that they lost to. Could you kind of compare them to that? Um, yeah, I think the losses from Nashville are a lot more concerning because they're losing to teams who I think they should be beating or at least shutting out for no-mill draws. I mean, it can't really sleep on Ottawa. Ottawa has actually gotten to be a good team as of late. And I don't at all, I wouldn't be surprised if they actually show up in the playoffs like the 7 8 seed type team and could be a legitimate threat. I think they've won 8 of 12 right now after losing 5 or 6 to start, while being out of, after not winning 5 or 6 to start the season, they've actually turned into a good team. Because if you remember after like the first month and a half, we were all saying, wow, Ottawa might be the worst team in the league. This is horrible. Their second half defense walks off the cliff. And now they're doing well. I'm not sure if that's a matter of something being fixed or exactly what's going on, but Nashville 
even in this one, they were in it until the very end and they just gave up a goal, got a red card, and gave up a second goal in really late time. They're one of those teams who, to me, if they get that one piece, that one tweak, I don't know what it is, but Nashville could become one of the great teams. I think their ceiling is very high, but right now they're not living up to expectations. So, I mean, I was thinking they could even be the number up to number two, three seed in the entire East, but now they're trying to hold on to that fourth seed, it seems like, and they might lose track of it. The only thing, so I think they're having a little bit of buyer's remorse over over uh, over Brandon Allen. Um, Is any time for leading scorer on the team, though? It, right. <laughs> yeah, but like that's not a good. Oh, it's it's thing good with Nashville because it's not a very high benchmark right now. It's good and bad. I don't know what happened. He was so hot for a minute. He scored two in that Open Cup game, and I don't know. Um, the only thing I think they could use, only because I, I I like to think I know how Brandon Allen works as a goal scorer, is just a, like one of the top five midfield pass passers in usl right now hmm. like if they had a, a ledesma or you know just like an eight or a ten that could really just sling the ball around aiden quinn was... aiden quinn yeah i mean there's a bunch of guys out there that can do that i just don't think they have that guy that can hit that you know 30 well, yard diagonal right now Beloto was supposed to be that guy, you know, and, yeah, and he's and, for a couple games i think he's he's a lot better at, at shorter interplay um, and then the other thing, I think that Nashville just has to start stop playing around with their formation so much. Mm. Well, I think that's part of of what their their mo is is they defend so well, and so I think they think that switching their their formation around is going to fix their offensive woes by just you know maybe one less defender and one more attacker that'll do it. And it's just not that easy. And if right. you, I, I agree with you, if you keep fiddling, sometimes that's worse. Then yeah. he left it the same. Talked about the first goal and since he's two one win over Red Bull two um, a little earlier. Force Lasso got his. Um, Danny Koenig with an own goal in the twenty sixth minute. Unfortunately, it was actually honestly like I wouldn't have been too mad if they credited it to Hassan and Dom because it was a it was a hell of a ball in on a set piece. Speaking of guys putting balls in. Um, and Danny Koenig just kind of beating the Dom to the ball, but didn't put it, you know, high enough out for it to miss the goal. Um, and then Patty Barrett gets the uh, the game winner in the 35th. So a, a bit of a sprint here, I suppose, as far as goals go. But uh, since he 10 match unbeaten run, Red Bull uh, see their hard work in four matches, not losing, come to an end here. Um tight game like i said red bull on their day can take on anybody and they showed it here against against cincy for sure yeah the top seeds in the east really are probably gonna hope new york does not make the playoffs because that's the team out of all the ones in competition they're the ones that'd be most scared of facing and again east teams card lasso when you're playing cincinnati on set pieces yep. it's a very simple rule let, let anyone else get open apart from lasso yeah he's the tall one He's the one, and you just tackle him until they call you on it, right? <laughs> you tackle him until you become Panama and you get punished for everyone else tackling. Okay. <laughs> Louisville 4, Charlotte 1, um, Naomi McCabe, Ilya Illich, Cam Lancaster, George Davis the 4th. 
Um, Jorge Herrera scores a uh, meaningless, except for, I guess, if you really care about goal differential goal in the 90th. Um, guys, Charlotte are actually bad? Or are they good? No. <laughs> Didn't they just beat someone by a lot of goals recently? Someone decent? I think it was... No. At- no? Oh, okay. No. I think they were last win was... I mean, they're sorry, Tony. Uh, their last win was uh, over Nashville one nil, and it was off of um, a deflected free kick. Was their only goal? Okay, okay. Yeah, they, they did beat Cincinnati four one early in the season. How times have changed. Well, um, I do want to say Jorge Herrera is very, very good. He's yes. another one where I was building my my I eleven, and he was one of the better better players attacking. Put him and like Brian Schreiber on the same team. Yeah, I'm just like finally let people understand that these guys are very good. He's in Lorenzo. Yep. 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 Uh, I mean, really frustrating. Go uh, go listen to our friends Alex and, and Goose talk about Charlotte over on Talking Jacks, um, which they've been doing for a year. Uh, which is crazy to think about because I remember getting a getting a DM from this is completely non-relevant tangent but I remember getting a DM for Goose asking for names of people that cover the league that was a year ago which is crazy to me um, anyway Tampa 3 Indy 1 um, I'm going to alternately title this uh, two things one Junior Fleming's coming out party again because apparently he needed one and um, then Indy just forgetting Georgie Kristoff exists, which is impressive because like they've crossed paths before. I saw that clip right before we started recording. It was rough. It was rough. <laughs> I believe uh, what's uh, Brian Cook at Soccer with Brian on Twitter. Yeah, has it. That was good. Go check that out. That was good. Terrible marking. Speaking of terrible marking, just mark Georgie Kristoff. You know. It's a guy you want to pay attention to. There's one guy you mark, maybe that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Evgeny Starikov gets the goal for Indy in the 20th minute, but uh, at that point you're down two, two, one. So, um, guys, thoughts on this one? Tampa maybe finding their groove back. Oh maybe? gosh, hope so, right? Yeah, kind of. It's like. It, it's hard to watch, right? It's hard to watch Louisville coach themselves and lose every week. And it's really hard to watch Tampa Tampa Bay have that much quality and lose and not be able to figure it out. I hope this is a good sign for them and Louisville, who, who both won handily this week. These next three matches for Tampa Bay will especially be crucial as basically from July 28th through August 8th, you are hosting New York Red Bulls too. Then you travel on Friday, August 3rd up to Ottawa. And then you finish it with August 8th hosting Charleston. Yeah. They have a chance. They have a chance. They They do. Got to keep at it. Got to motivate those players. Colorado four, Tulsa two. Martin Mabin with a brace, 40th minute, 70th minute. Jordan Burt converts a penalty kick right at the uh, the end of the first half. Shane Malcolm gets the fourth in the 87th minute. Tulsa goals, uh, Joaquin Rivas in the, in the 19th and uh, Seward Seuss with an own goal in the 79th, which uh, that's Colorado Springs keeper getting getting an own goal there. Oops. Um, Kev Pony, any any thoughts on this one or just these two teams so far this season? Colorado looked to have gotten a crucial couple points there. 
Yeah, I think to me, look at Colorado as a team who might get in the playoffs. That her thing breaks right have to get hot at the right time. And Tulsa just really is looking more like a team who at times they can score, but their defense is just not there at all. And anyone who can put up multiple goals on them is going to be Tulsa. Joaquin Rivas is the next player that leaves Tulsa and goes to a really good team, probably. Okay. I've been meaning to say that for like five weeks now. There you go. But it's true. I think this was only the fifth time all season Tulsa scored multiple goals. But did they score multiple goals? Yeah, they really didn't, Pony. Uh, (laughs) Technically, they they have a two, and it's not an MLS 2-2. Hey, you're saying it too many times now. I'm confused. What's happening? Um, I mean, of the Tulsa's nine league losses this year, six of them have come with a team scoring three or more goals, including a feat. And if you want to include that in the Open Cup, Wichita scored four on them as well in that one. So you can make it seven losses this year where they've just given up just an absurd amount of goals for a match. Yeah. Speaking of the number two, uh, which today's USL show, not only brought to you by our good friends at Soccer Loco, if you go on our website, uslshow.com, there's a there's a blue or if you're colorblind, it's a gray box. It says Soccer Loco. Click on that and then buy whatever you want. If you need um, perhaps someone I know, not it's not actually, it's literally not actually me because I, I would die. But if someone you know needs some cleats for their upcoming six, seven aside season, Soccer Loco, check them out. Especially if, like, you know, you can't find size 13 cleats and dicks. This has been me sub podcasting my own boyfriend <laughs> to buy things. Um, anyway, Soccer Loco, check out those guys. DK just came back. He's uh, he landed safely in San Francisco, went home for a little back, wanted to say hey to those guys. So not only are we sponsored by Soccer Loco, we are also apparently sponsored by the number two, Phil. This match, St. Louis 2, Orange County SC 2. Before you talk about it, I want to talk about the two poll that St. Louisans had, which is in fact just a sign that says two poll, and there is no polls to be found anywhere. <laughs> I need to trend second half, and well, not even, but like the second third of the USL season. I need like hyper literal and or sarcastic tifo. <laughs> like it would, it would, it would be great. And I know this is me dipping in the MLS territory, but Kev, if you could tell the Timbers Army one week, just to make a one of their huge elaborate tifos, and it's just white, and then in black text that just says this is a tifo, or like <laughs> image not found, or no, or no, something, that would be great. Yeah, I think it'd be best if it's done on a, against a Seattle game. This is a TIFO. <laughs> One of those nationally broadcast games where, you know, ESPN or Fox are like, oh, let's check in with the Timbers. They're like lining up for it on hard cam for like 20 minutes. Yeah. You're like, guys, you can, it'll be apparent when they're about to unfurl it. It's it's just a giant, the biggest white sheet you've ever seen with small t- black letters. What if they like, what if they do the rib on the, we're, we're getting inside baseball. What if they do the ribs that have to tweet about other MLS team games? And they just like print out for like Red Bull. <laughs> and they're like, here's when you can watch New York Red Bull on your television. Well, I know, or Pony, I know from uh, the Tower Bridge Battalion, they had a TIFO this year that had said go team on it with an asterisk that said it was front office approved. <laughs> mm, good. Yeah, it's because one before that got rejected. 
for the previous game. I remember that. <laughs> yes, excellent. Hey, Phil, now that we're done talking about Tifas, uh, how was this game? Uh, considering how good OC is, I'm going to take this. And um, Lauren Conrad does play great in the Midwest. Lauren Conrad, she's so good. I mean, she's great. Her style is on point at all all, all times, and she knows how to yep. lead how to lead a bro on for like weeks on end for seasons on seasons on seasons. Yes, That's right, folks. Special it's... offer. The next person to retweet anything from the USL show gets the box set of the OC. <laughs> oh, I just remembered too. Yeah. If you guys watch the, um, the U S rising, I forget what it's called exactly, but it's, it's those bios on each individual young player for the United States on YouTube right now for us soccer. Did you guys see this? I saw them. I haven't actively partaken of them. Oh, I, I really enjoyed them. I, I recommend them if you like the United States uh, national team. But uh, don't get out of the country. Um, what I did want to say, right, exactly. But what I wanted to say is in the intro to all of those, I think mm-hmm. is Children's. like this weird thing where it's like a play for the United States and it posts a bunch of tweets by different people. One of them is DK. I saw it. So Hey-o. yeah, that's our, that's our man. That's our men's. That's right. That's cool. No, I'll have to watch it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, this game, I'm sorry. Um, it, it was interesting because St. Louis has had trouble scoring goals. Their defense tends to be pretty solid, and then they kind of let one goal up, sometimes early like in this game, and they can't come back. Well, in this game, they came back, and part of that is we've been getting all these OCB, Orlando City B, loans in this year and it's been nauseating right like please just maybe branch out stop just going with the people that you know and trust well in this case it seems to be paying off because we got pierre da silva hasn't been getting enough uh, minutes with orlando city and they sent him to us and he's very talented i've been trying to fill the international slot that we got from Valeski was something really talented, something like Ledesma-esque, I, I might say, or hope for, or pray for every night. Um, we weren't going to get that, but De Silva is someone that's like kind of close to that on the USL if, level. If, if you can keep him, you should do that because he was very yeah. good for OCB. Yes, and he's he was very good for St. Louis on top of that, and mm-hmm. there's not even um, chemistry built between him and the yep. mid yet. Him and uh, Wallfall looked very nice together at times throughout the game. So I think as that builds, St. Louis's only hope for making the playoffs is defending well, not giving up early goals, and Pierre De Silva doing something um, on top of Kyle Gregg continuing what he's been able to do this season. So, yeah. Uh, next match: Sacramento one, Oklahoma City Energy one. Pony, talk to me. Um, this was one where I kind of felt like this was coming. Sacramento OKC has this really weird habit where the home team actually struggles no matter who's at home. I think over the three years now, there's been one team who won at home. So I don't know. I was, again, the home team like this one, Sacramento looked better, not dominating better, but they did look like the better side. But again, they let it get away late. And it's just a frustrating feeling, as I'm sure a fan of either team. Just see, whenever you go at home, you just can't gain points with any consistency against the side. But OKC's turning it around. They're, you've got to give them a lot of credit for this. Early on, I think we all saw them as one of the worst teams in the league, not let alone just the West. And at this point, they're probably not going to make the playoffs, but 
if teams are around that seven, eight seed level start struggling, OKC could feasibly sneak in there. Over the last month or so, they're probably, if I'm just doing the last month, two months, they're probably on the higher end of teams in the West for how good they've been playing. Hmm. Fair enough. Moving on, uh, Portland Timbers 2-1, Las Vegas Lights 2. Kev, I just did some very quick Googling only because I wanted to ask you a question that I thought that I that I had correct in my mind, and I did. Um, how does it feel to have a, a Premier League winning midfielder score for Portland Timbers 2? He's not a Premier League winning midfielder. I don't care what you say. Um, oh, come on, he was on the team. I know, I, I get that. Technically, it's just a technicality. He did it anyway. <laughs> um, if he you did want to talk about, if you want to talk about Jack Barnby, I do. One, I've got one name for you too that you can compare him to, uh, Villian Bijev. He is, yeah. he's at that level where I think USL is is what he can do. I don't see him being MLS capable. Even though he's on a first-team contract, I, I, he's kind of a waste of space there. Um, T2, he's been doing pretty decently at where when he's getting the minutes there um, seems to be his level. And, you know, the last time we had a player who was like, he's pretty darn good in the midfield, but I just don't know if he's going to – if he's MLS good was Villian Bijev, who is now a Sacramento. Um, so who knows? Maybe Barnby will find himself heading south at the end of the season. I'm not sure. I also could have said, how's it feel to have former Hull City player or former Manchester United player, former Notts County player? The the, the, the options there were, were very uh, plentiful, but I went with Premier League winning midfielder Jack Barnby. If you want to throw some, if you want to throw some shade, look at the fact that Sammy Ochoa, who I believe used to play for Seattle, and then Omar Salgado, who was technically a Vancouver Whitecaps player, scored for Vegas. <laughs> I yeah. didn't even know Salgado was playing for Vegas or even still playing soccer. And then all of a sudden he gets the game winning goal. And I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, Kev, one Lynn in the last six for you guys. How you feeling? Also, how does it feel to have the mark of the devil in possession in that game? 66.6% possession <laughs> did us no favors, did it? No. Um, one win in the last six matches. It's it's sad because I think Portland had done so well in the first part of the season, kind of, you know, got my hopes up a bit, yep. but um, like I had mentioned earlier, they are, they're really falling to um, kind of their, what, what is usually their season average, which at this rate is going to see them falling out of the playoff race um, probably in a, in a, in a ninth or 10th spot. Um, which would be what they've done in almost other seasons past. So, and then I guess we'll we'll talk about it a little bit just because we're here. Um, there was a a really fun <laughs> back and forth between two people that I fluctuate on how much I enjoy them on Twitter. Um, in Doyle. Um who I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with, but he is a, a analyst for MLS and um, Portland Timbers slash Timbers 2 slash Portland Thorns, right? Owner? Yep. yep. Who is very, very outspoken about his passion for the teams that he owns and, and his investment in said teams and things like that. 
Um, Kev, the line that I really liked that I think you also at least had a chuckle in was, well, I guess, A, that he kind of name-dropped your podcast without knowing it. Um, hmm. And then, B, uh, the Matt Doyle said that Portland make the Colorado Rapids look like Ajax, which will be a really good soundbite for people that know who Ajax are. Um, but if you don't, they are basically the King Netherlands. And they do that by fielding a pretty young team that come up through their academy. And as you players, are wont to do in the Netherlands. Yeah, and all their players go on to become usually world super players. duper duper stars except for like Memphis yeah. Depay. I don't I don't know where it originally came from, but basically somebody was asking, I think Matt Doyle about like why Colorado kind of sucks at developing players. His quote tweet response was Portland make Colorado look like Ajax. Like it generally saying Colorado is not the worst at developing talent. And then Merritt Paulson struck back, struck struck back saying something along the lines of like, well, we own a USL team while a bunch of other MLS sides don't. So and Marco Farfan, we're developing. Well, he didn't say anything about Marco Farfan. I was just like, you know, um, we've developed one player who's still getting limited minutes, but at least is on the first team and making somewhat of success in Marco Farfan. But that's one single player so far in eight total seasons. Um, <laughs> yeah. Lamestorf hopefully will be turning better. That that'll be good. But you you look at a team like FC Dallas, who they don't own or operate a USL side at all. They, right. I mean, they will in D3, but they haven't. They don't at all. And look at their academy. Yep. Absolutely embarrasses the rest of the Western Conference, you know, because um, it's so good. And, and Vancouver Whitecaps have a, a really good residency program. They mm-hmm. tried tried it with the USL side for a little bit, didn't like it, and still have a good residency program. So I was like, just because you own a USL team don't mean squat, really. Uh, yep. You got to, you know, our academy's not bad. It's it's young still. It's was basically started two years after we joined MLS um, mm. in 2013. So any of those players who literally started with the academy are just now coming good. And those would be examples of Marco Farfan, Foster Langsdorf. There's a, a good half dozen or more really exciting young players coming up that you know might might uh, have look good in MLS in, in the future in the next half decade or so but you know right now Doyle makes a point hopefully it's just temporary but Merritt's very uh, uh, passionate um, particularly about what you know the teams he owns and he has mm-hmm. every right to his opinion and, and he did make a comment about the quote-unquote play the kids mantra I believe was the exact was was that, but he he literally said something like, "Oh, we're doing just fine." Blah blah blah. Something about people talking about us having to play the kids, and it's he's not the first person with the front office that has mentioned that, particularly to me. So it's it's not that maybe he name dropped my podcast without knowing it. It's just that I have a really good name over a podcast, and I. <laughs> I know Barrett listens, has listened to it in the past, probably not regularly, but I know he's listened to it. I know that other people in the front office listen to it. Um, so, in the seasons past, I, I try. I've been trying to be good this year to try to get some, to get back on the good graces of the people that listen to it, that make those decisions at the club level. But um, you know, when when were you? You've lost five of six. Um, 
I'm going to have to start talking, be realistic in the next episode or two. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mr. Paulson, if you're listening, um, big fan. Uh, welcome on anytime. Feel free. But you don't get a gold star for having a USL squad anymore. FC Dallas effed up by not having one. It's just you got to have one. And so you don't have one. You don't deserve a gold star, but you didn't mess up by getting one. So that's what yeah. I'm going to say. Yeah, I will that's, say that's the point I was trying to make. Like, just yeah, because yeah. you can't say, hey, we do develop great players because we have a USL side. I'm like, no, you have a USL side. It's a smart business decision in MLS, you know, to help develop players. But it's you're not better because you have a USL side. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Let's go, Ryan. Closing thoughts and where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at ilm underscore Ryan. Mainly tweeting stuff about stats with USL and MLS. And I just want to give a quick shout out to uh, Ever Guzman's goal for uh, San Antonio, which he just uh. like, was able to. <laughs> Dribble around that defender and just walk it right in. And I, I thought it was the nominee if for a goal of the week when that does eventually come up. So good. Yeah, it's already on it. Great. Uh, Pony, where can people find you on the internets? And if you have any closing thoughts, feel free to insert them. You can always find me on the internet at, at Iron Pony Chef. And let's be. If anything, be be happy. Welshman didn't fight a guy. <laughs> um, Phil, where can people find you on the internet? Any closing thoughts? No, no closing thoughts. Phil Grooms uh, on Twitter, two L's, two O's. I just second what uh, Ryan said about that San Antonio game. It was a shocker and uh, great goal. Kev, um, you mentioned your podcast, Play the Kids. Where can people find that on the internet? Where can people find you on the internet? And if you have any final thoughts on things this week, feel free. Uh, you can find us at www.playthekids.com. That's also part of the BGN network. Um, on Twitter, at PTK Podcast. You can find me on Twitter, at KMCamishPDX. Um, feel free to also DM me if anyone in Portland happens to be listening, or maybe even not in Portland. And you're a big T2 fan. I am looking to expand um, my uh, my host lineup with T2 or my Play the Kids podcast. So uh, shoot me a DM if you're interested. Um, there are a couple of people that have been interested there. So I might go up to three, maybe four hosts. We'll see. Probably just three, but maybe have a third person rotate. But yeah, so doing some expansion there. Um, and my only final note is uh, Play the Kids, Merit. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, all right, real quick, uh, a couple, one housekeeping thing. I, I, I tweeted out a, um, uh, a teaser to, to our Patreon friends where if you want to check that out, uslshow.com, there's a link right underneath, I think the one for soccer loco They're I, they're flipped. I don't remember. Um, hit that button and it'll take you to our Patreon, patreon.com backslash the USL show. Um, if you sign up for that, we are um, implementing a couple things. One of those being live streams. We were going to do it this week. And then, of course, um, the world laughed at me and said, ha, how dare you try to make plans? So uh, that'll be in effect starting next week. And then the other thing is, did I say the first or second week? 
we're gonna do a i think it'll be the second wednesday of every month but don't hold me to that right now because i don't know about it but uh we're gonna do kind of a monthly um just kind of the usl show banter edition i think where we just kind of talk about whatever really for about an hour and we're gonna throw that up to our patreon friends over there patreon.com backslash the usl show so um if you have subscribed in the past don't worry we got some cool stuff coming your way if you're a new subscriber one welcome thank you two make sure you dm us and get a sticker yet just because i haven't been able to get into the patreon because it still thinks i'm chad hollingsworth who was previously in charge of all the usl show twitters and stuff when it was in other hands um yeah there you go there's your housekeeping um, if you want to follow us on the Twitters at the USL show, also, of course, at the USL show.com, which I'm sure you've heard me mention too many times now. So I'll stop me personally. If you want to hear more of me or see more of me or all of the above for whatever reason, or want to hear me get into fake arguments with a, a, a good friend of ours, Brian cook at Valala Villas and Victor I L L B S F C. Oh, wait, I can't even spell my own last name. Wow. Villas and Victor I L L E L L A B S F C. There it is. It's uh, it's kind of late. And, uh, and we'll talk to you guys next week and definitely be on the lookout for all those Patreon things and things. So uh, take care and we'll talk to you soon.